0: Bongcast, the most heretical podcast about the New Jedi Order. I'm your host, Megan, and with me are my co-hosts, Rocky and Bria. This month, we'll be talking about the short story, Recovery, and the first half of Star by Star by Troy Denning, in which Luke Skywalker makes bad decisions, the Yuuzhan Vong bong weaponized puppies, and the strike team starts a long and grueling journey. Hello. Puppies? we're calling them
1: puppies
0: vormskers Uh, are kind of like puppies and now they're just big scary puppies megan i was gonna go
1: with hellhounds but cool eldritch abomination puppies
0: yeah whatever so i only found a dog
2: i don't like (laughs) oh no oh
0: no Just to reiterate, there will be no spoilers for future books in the series, but we do go through this book pretty thoroughly. So if you haven't read it yet, pause the recording, read the book, and then come back and join us. I might have to pause the recording myself, because I'm supposed to read the book summary and my book's on the other side of the room. Do you you want me to read it? Would you like me to read
2: it? All right, Please. Thank you. (laughs) Because as usual, I didn't flip it over, but here we go. It is a solemn time for the New Republic as the merciless Yuuzhan Vong continue their campaign of destruction. The brutal enemy has unleashed a savage creature capable of finding and killing Jedi Knights. Puppies.
1: (laughs) Not puppies!
2: (laughs) Now, Le'Organa Solo faces a terrible ultimatum. If the location of the secret Jedi base is not revealed within one week, the Yuuzhan Vong will blast the millions of refugee ships into oblivion. As the battered but still unbroken Jedi scramble to deal with the newest onslaught, Leia's son, Anakin, lays out a daring plan that's going to get everyone killed. That's not part of the summary. (laughs) He will lead a Jedi Jedi strike force into the heart of enemy territory in order to sabotage the Yuuzhan Vong's deadliest weapons. There, with his brother and sister at his side, and you know, 16 of his other teenage friends, he will come face to face with his destiny as their new republic. Still fighting the good fight will come face to face with theirs.
1: Every I single that I just had has to be redacted until the spoiler episode.
0: <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. So we, um, I know we've been hyping this book a lot because I think we all have a lot of feelings about this book and really love it. Um, the paperback edition that. I have, and Mm -hmm. there are possibly other editions that have as well, comes with a short story called Recovery, which is set after Balance Point. We discussed back and forth and whether to talk about it, and then I started reading the book, got halfway through the story before I realized I was reading the story, and went, maybe we should talk about the story. (laughs) So (laughs) if you haven't read it, that's okay. But um, it it does add some good context, I think. It takes place... um, after Balance Point and before Edge of Conquest, and is about Han and Leia, while Leia recovers from her injuries. I think it introduces characters in a good way. Um, mm-hmm. It brings, I think, if you hadn't if you hadn't read this, the appearance of the Barabels and the appearance of Ezal, uh would be very abrupt. So, I'm glad that I read this story. Any like general thoughts um, from you all about it?
2: I'm just amused that we like talked about this in New York Comic-Con at, uh, at Vader Tots. You're like, yeah, I started reading the short story. And I was like, oh, I thought we were saving those. And then you were right. So thank you, Megan, for reading mm-hmm. the short story by accident and being right.
0: <laughs> yeah. You're welcome. So, Love so to be I- right by accident.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so I finished reading part one of Star by Star, and then I read Recovery, and I had I think I read Recovery in my first read, but I don't remember for sure. And it actually made parts of Star by Star make a little more sense because I was stumbling around going, so who is this guy who's addicted to salt? And I remember the Barabells showing up somewhere around here, but they just kind of like fell out of nowhere and popped up and started flying around. And then, oh, so this is where they're from. And also... I feel like a lot more things made sense after reading Recovery, especially Vicky Shesh, and she's starting to accidentally stab herself in the back or something. She's oh, starting Vicky, to get herself gold in trouble. Star.
2: She tries so hard.
1: <laughs> so, so is this like a living wiggly little star that has some kind of bioluminescent? You tried written on it.
2: As long as it's sparkly, I don't think Vicky cares.
0: Absolutely. Yep. <laughs> It's got, like, you know, it's adhesive on the back, but, like, a little too adhesive, because it's organic, so it, it kind of squelches a little when you stick it on. It's real gross. So
1: it's um. like the little <laughs> suction cups that Starfish have on them that sticks on? That That yeah. would be good,
0: too. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> Izol is the Jedi who left the Academy when he became addicted to salt. And I remember just, like, filing this away in my Star Wars knowledge when I was younger. Arcona can get addicted to salt. That's fine. But the thing that struck me about this this time around is that no one seems to have tried to help him at the Academy. This happens by accident. I guess they didn't have any signs up, like... You have signs for peanut allergies, I would think in, like, a multi-species area, you would have signs up that a thing contains salt. But anyway, mm-hmm. um, he didn't go to anyone for help. No one tried to help him. No. Luke See, Megan, this is how it works.
2: Him. Listen, yeah. Luke Skywalker is fine if you murdered a bunch of people and you want to come back from the dark side. Salt addiction? Not gonna fly.
0: Apparently. <laughs> apparently, yeah. he's just too... Bar, gone. And this like didn't ever really bother me as a child or as a teen, and I think now there is a flavor of like adultly concern that I'm just like, Aizal, are you okay? Isol, do you need to like go to a program? Like, are you alright? <laughs> um which yeah. I think, yeah.
1: As an adult, overall there are a lot of things that are way more horrifying than they were when I was a teenager.
2: You mean the entirety of Star by Star?
1: (laughs) uh, Yes, yes. uh, The entirety of the series in a broader spectrum,
0: but... (laughs) Yeah. And I think that I'm thinking of it now as like, if he was a person, as opposed to before, it's like he was a plot point. So it seems a little different. I also love that the, well, the Barabels are introduced in this section, and I adore them. I mean, I will fully admit that I'm just, like, I will go for anything that has giant humanoid lizards. I played a (laughs) Trandoshan in a Star Wars RPG for a while. Like, I just think they're very cool. I think they're really funny. They have a neat, like, family dynamic. They are super strong and, like, really good in the force. I just think they're great. I love the
1: Barabels, absolutely love them, and their bizarre, horrifying senses of humor, or at least the humans around them are like, I don't want to know why that's funny, but whatever. I love the Barabels so very much.
0: Megan, I have a very important question for you. Okay.
2: Did you romance Saiyan in Mass Effect 2?
0: No. Oh. I did not. (laughs) No. Um... I romanced Garrus though. So oh, Okay.
2: Yeah. I-, I just wanted to know how far the wizard the wizard love went.
0: The wizard love does not go in that direction, but okay. Thane show- is d- Thane is valid. Thane dancing is good valid. boy. <laughs> he is a good boy. And <laughs> Garrus is a very attractive lizard bird cat man. So <laughs> I almost Okay, now we're doing this, so I'll just say it. I almost put insert Mass Effect 2 suicide mission music here in the beginning of this episode, <laughs> and I didn't know any, if anyone would get it. But ooh. So if you don't get the Mass Effect references, I'm sorry, this like minute is just not for you. It's okay. I'm
2: going <laughs> to tell Brian to add in, ooh, I wonder if Brian can make our intro music this week.
0: Oh my gosh, I'll I'm gonna text him, again. I'm gonna text him. Okay. <laughs> I, I agree Continue with on. this plan. <laughs> um, actually, Bria, you were the yes. one I wanted to talk a little bit about this next part, because this is also where, um the, in the political scene, Han and Leia begin to suspect Vicky Shash, and I kind of loved the part where Leia suggests that they, quote, politically assassinate her, mm-hmm. and the response to that is basically like, but everyone thinks Kuwaiti are corrupt... All- already yeah. like what are you gonna it's, do it's, i actually wrote down that funny. quote
2: i was like it was oh well, yeah she's from Kuwait. no one expects her to have any character and i was like wow but also I valid
1: love it i just so love it in general throughout this whole throughout all of the reading for this podcast oh vicky <laughs> There are a lot of times when I desperately wanted to slap her, and just like the very fact she doesn't show up at her own corruption panel, <laughs> it would be less subtle oh, yeah. if she had stuck a sign on her back that said, guilty.
2: I also <laughs> love it, though, because, like, Vicky don't care.
0: Yeah. just uh, <laughs> <Because> wants <one's laughs> is
1: done, and I'm like, girl. And at that
0: point, she's, like, girl, pulling out all the stops, basically. Yeah. She's just like, they're trying everything they can do to get me to participate in this conversation so i'm just not gonna go at all she's just and, like i'm busy sorry yeah, and when
1: i think it was a bith i don't remember the name but it started with an e who is in charge of the corruption panel who calls vicky at one point and is like where are you you're in yes. trouble <laughs> and vicky's like i'm meeting with someone i'm like doing stuff for my job oh no what do you mean <laughs> yeah it's like, i feel like good. i have seen almost that exact scene play out like when i was in high school reading this the first time like with girl drama and popular kids and i feel like i saw variations of that play out and it's just one of those you so know what's happening but that's what makes it so great.
2: Brian says we can have the mat- the suicide mission music for the intro.
0: Yes. Okay. Mission accomplished. <laughs> um i do think though
2: the one crazy thing about this is they go through all of this everyone basically sees that vicky ain't great and yet like there's two books that take place between the sort the short story and and star by star and yet she still has power
1: like more power by star by star point It's <laughs> ridiculous I would be like how did you people Not why are you letting this happen
2: And then I look at current politics and go Oh right
0: Yeah yeah." Uh, All I yeah. want to say about this particular part In relation to current politics is that This the, the scene in the senate Is the climax of the story it's like the exciting Part that pushes everything else forward And I was just here sitting like this would Be interminable on twitter This would feel like it took a week in Re- in new republic twitter and it would be terrible i'm yes. now imagining
1: new republic political twitter and it is i think i'd rather have that some days but at the same time it's more fun in my head than i think it would ever be <laughs> otherwise <laughs> the mental images i'm getting from new republic political twitter are pretty priceless
0: just thinking that you sunban couldn't possibly influence new republic twitter they would refuse.
2: They would start their own thing.
0: Yeah.
1: I don't think you can get a to properly tweet.
2: Okay, first of all. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you can.
0: <laughs> Wait, I want to know where you're going with this, brand. I, I
2: lost it because then I saw a tweet about blood orange and it's my favorite meme, so I had to go find a gif and send it. I'm sorry, I'm off Twitter now. I promise. Uh,
0: multitasking, multitasking. <laughs> Listen, okay, the, well we're gonna I, the blood orange meme is my favorite. The book proper, I think, because that's about all I have to say about the short story. It yeah. I really do feel like the mm-hmm. especially the introduction of the Barabells would be very jarring without this story. But, yeah, and that was like its main thing
2: I think that this one More so than the other short story The Ulessia one I think that comes with Destiny's way further down the line I think this is way more necessary reading yeah. Than that one is But mm-hmm. then again when we get to that short story further down the line I may change my mind Because we had this great idea That we were going to do the short stories in their own episode And that didn't work out
0: Sorry. Yeah, I <laughs> No, no, it was for the better. Even remember
1: Alessia? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, there's still Emissary of the Void, so well, will my favorite story. So we'll return uh, to that. Yeah.
2: Yeah, can we just sob now at this That Star by Star because oh wait, no, I'm sorry. The one thing I did write down in my notes for Star by Star is that the intro that they have in there is actually a really good summary of the road so far. Yes. And then I just
1: I have yeah. a <laughs> I have a note like my first note is good to see well placed noting that we really did need that they appeared from beyond intro as just this is what's been going on in case you've forgotten because it's been a very long road so far.
2: Yeah, and we're on what book 9. This yeah, is the halfway I think so. point. Yeah. Yep.
0: It is the halfway point. Oh, boy. Oh, wow. And this is where, so to start our additional, our official star-by-star part one discussion, (laughs) this is where everything becomes Mm -hmm. a little more horrific, and the introduction of this is a long chase scene, essentially. So I, after spending time with Han and Leia for most of recovery, it was an interesting and sudden shift into this violent attack on Alima's ship and the introduction of the voxen and these are two things that i have lots of feelings about um the voxen are extremely good yes no um, <laughs> i think they're just great monster design they are very frightening they you can tell how tough they are they're disgusting their teeth are full of toxins like a komodo dragon like they're huge they're kind of they're smart enough to to like press the buttons on an elevator which i thought was very silly they're horrifying <laughs> um, did, horrifying
1: did anyone else get very velociraptor yes. scenes from the Jurassic oh, Park oh franchise no. i had so much of that so so much of that yes the voxen are amazing monsters because, especially now, the older I get, the more I recoil from that thinking, okay, that is actually horrific. Nope, nope, nope. All the nope, noping out the door, noping into yeah. the escape pod. The
2: one note I wrote down was F uh, Foxen. Because, yeah, no.
1: <laughs> and yeah, also, wait, I mean, okay, this is jumping yeah.
2: ahead a little bit, but like. I completely forgot that Vicky Shesh is the reason they have the freaking Voxen. in. She sent yep. them the screws, and I'm like, that's my other note where I also dropped another F-bomb to myself is, is F you oh, right. for sending them. Like, what the hell? How screwed up do you have to be to do
1: that? Because you know they're going to create something like this. What the hell? Yep. It's She's- bad. Yes, I think she's finally figured out by now that if you give the Yushan Vong a hamster, they're going to make a war machine out of it. And it doesn't matter what you give them, they're going to I do something mean, The some Vornskers were already, already like, she seems uh. <laughs> Yeah, like I remember very clearly the first time we see Vornskers in the Thrawn trilogy, Card makes it very, very clear that they're. Tame enough, but they're still very much fierce yeah. wild animals. And yeah, uh, you handed that over to a bunch of sadomasochists. What did you think you were? Not doing? a puppy. Yeah. I was trying to keep track of the number of attacks the voxen had, and I think I lost count somewhere around they have a what sort of virus in their claws? Somewhere around there, I just gave up and I'm thinking, wow. Um This is even more
0: horrific than I remember. I will say that the Voxen being used as, like, a stationary torture platform later in the book, where they, like, hold people's hands over their spines, was much more frightening to me than the Velociraptor stuff. Like, I've always been kind of, like... The Velociraptors are cool. Like I'm not really scared of them because I enjoy looking at <laughs> them because it's fiction. But then you read something like mm-hmm. somebody's hand being pressed onto spines, and it's like, ugh, it makes my body hurt. Uh, yeah, it was all it's It's not great, Bob. It's not No.
2: Uh,
1: it's it's fine. It's not yeah. fine. They're so they're such well-done monsters because they're so yeah. horrible, and that's the best I can say about them. I'll hold off my torture scene
2: screaming for a little bit, though, because I think Mega needs
0: to scream about something else. Well, the older I get, the more I fly the flag of the Alima defense squad, <laughs> because she, yes, um, she's a leader of a resistance, her and her sister pretended to be the same person for a while in order to confuse people who wanted to break up their resistance. She's like a competent Jedi. She has, a. she saw her sister die horrifically and therefore has like, she's got to have like some trauma. She feels neglected by the Jedi Order. Luke Skywalker basically intentionally gives up on her, which we'll talk about more later and she's this side character who's written and like for all those reasons that I just said I think she could be a very empathetic person but instead she's written as like catty and like hates all the other girls on the team and is like
2: every bad
0: Twi'lek stereotype and every bad human female woman stereotype and I just I think Denning really did this one wrong in in most possible ways.
2: I had no idea she was 17.
1: This really infuriated me. Yeah, I read somewhere later on in the in the book where Han is looking at I think it's Han and Leo who are looking at the whole strike team that's coming together and
0: they make a note so that Alina is right around
1: Anakin's age. Yeah,
0: she's really unnecessarily that, demonized. The level, The level of extra
1: horror in there, I'm like, she is a child too. This is really horrifying the way she's being portrayed. And for all that, clearly she and her sister have to be good at leading a resistance in order to have done it for so long. But the way she is portrayed, it's it really is how many bad stereotypes can we fit into one character oh she she deserves so much better overall and now shut me up until the spoiler she has
0: been not only working with plenty of other people in a war zone coordinating them she has also been coordinating with her sister and effectively donning a complex disguise like she's not a catty person Mm -hmm.
2: yeah.
1: She's clearly.
2: I just always assume that competent. she was like yeah. early 20s because, like you said, they gave her all the all the bad
1: I always, Twilight yeah. female
2: stereotypes. Like, I can't actually remember, but did they give her the rescued from a dancer, a slave life yes, thing, yes, too? Yes,
1: yes. Which I find even, which I f- kind of rolled my eyes at when I first read that, going, really, can we have one Twilight woman who does not have this backstory? And then later, when they mention her age, then the horror level or the Alima deserve better level. Yeah, I'm just a lot. like,
2: how, how young was
0: she? If, uh, yeah, I oh,
1: brain bleach. Oh. Yeah.
0: When I first so not okay. read this when I was a teen, I didn't like her because I thought of her as like this is a girl that doesn't like other girls that wouldn't have liked me that like is stuck up and all this. And I've totally like fed into the negative portrayal of her at first. And then when I read it the second time, it was like this character didn't have to be any of that. And maybe if she hadn't Mm -hmm. been that, I would have liked her more to start out with. And like, there were plenty of other lady characters that I liked, but she was just, I think, given a really unnecessary harsh treatment both in terms of like what happens to her and how she acts. Yeah. So, Ask
1: me more about this in the spoiler episode, but there are certain things that happen much much later on that made me think, wow,
0: Alima deserved so much better than this. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So much better. <clears throat> mhm. So Alima Defense Squad leads into Luke Skywalker's bad decisions. And so- I think
2: What a dumbass. Every one of
0: you knows that I'm very quick to defend Luke. I'm very quick to say, like, he knows best, basically. But this book, man, he was so quick to um, basically ignore people's problems. Um, he, He sees, the quote is, anguish in a lima that would never fade and basically just decides to do nothing. Like, recommend her some therapy. Like, meditate with her. That is not her. how like, you deal with
1: serious trauma. Give up on her. No. Yeah. I understand and this then- galaxy is often bad at handling things, but I don't know what Luke was doing. Part of me is like, I I don't know what, what he was, he was doing, doing all episode. Let's just assume there there was some spice involved because I cannot otherwise explain Luke is not acting like himself and
0: no, the he's fallout, not in a character at all.
1: The fallout of that is just so horrific, ultimately. Ask me later more about that again, but it just doesn't make a lot of sense. There are a couple good moments here and there, but otherwise, Luke is so out of character and it's really jarring. Okay, so
2: related to that, I there's something that it it's kind of a spoiler for later down the line, but I'm going to chance it because it's a spoiler from like a completely different series. Um, but there's a point in the book Crucible, which takes place much further down the line, where like it's by the yes, same hello. author, where the Jedi are all like, oh, like they look down their nose at the non-Jedi, including Han, and like, oh, our skills are so much better. And yet in this book... Like, he gives Han a say in what happens with the strike mission. And I'm like, oh, that's such a contrast to what happens in Crucible. And then I realized, because Luke is the last person to vote, and he, and it even says, you know, finish the polling, which came out exactly as Llanow had predicted, except that with Han behind the mission, Luke decided to go after the boxing Queen. He puts
0: this on Han! Yeah, I, I don't like it. I don't like this. I, I mean, I didn't like most of the characterization in Crucible either. Um, I do not like the characterization of Luke in this. He also, like, he basically, like, snaps at Han for being nervous and like, Luke, I know you're stressed, but this isn't you. And then he doesn't tell anyone about the strike team. And I guess that's reasonable. It would be a an intelligence problem if they told people. But he does doesn't tell kip and i was like of course kip was gonna be upset about this not because you threw teenagers into a war zone but because you gave someone else a squadron and supported it kip's gonna be like why didn't you just support my squadron the whole time and send us on the suicide mission like i thought that the way he handled kip was like the scene ended in a way that was resolved and the you know the writing like indicated that the scene was supposed to be ended in a positive way but I was just like didn't you know this was gonna happen like of course this is how Kip's gonna react so not only did Luke come off as uncaring he also came off as not really understanding the people around him even Kip who's like the one who's been constantly pushing like waving a hand in front of Luke's face going I'm here I have this opinion
2: mm-hmm. yeah I mean I <sighs> yeah I'm not entirely mad that he didn't tell Kip, because I kind of get it.
1: Not telling Kip, I think, was actually a good decision, but I don't think Kip had to be left completely in the dark.
2: Yeah, that's it.
1: Instantly, instantly, I was thinking when I was reading that scene... I'm thinking, oh, Kip didn't just run off after the strike team immediately. Wow, he grew some restraint. That's cool. (laughs) Because, yeah, I feel like Luke could have done a substantially better job of telling the other Jedi, by the way, this is something you're going to hear in the news. More details to come, but this is what you'll hear in the news, and this is what the news needs to know right now. (laughs) Situation vaguely under control. Luke could have at least said something to the Jedi, something, or at least to those that he knew would ask the most questions or cause the most trouble. Like, say, Kip.
2: Oh, Kip Duran. Oh, honey. You could have done
1: some damage control about him. You really could have, but... Uh,
2: well, he should have, back in, like, the Jedi Academy trilogy, but...
1: Yeah, Apparently something, not. something... Apparently, Exar Kun was a good excuse at that point. I don't know.
0: Where's that excuse, <laughs> bingo?
1: <laughs> Yeah,
0: Rhea, you had pointed out one of Luke's lines in this book that I do think really sums yes. up um, kind of the struggle of the Jedi here and is relevant to today. Do you want to talk about this?
2: Oh, yeah. Uh, I don't remember exactly what the context was for it, but Luke says at one point, how do we fight a brutal, evil enemy without becoming brutal and evil ourselves? Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure he succeeds.
1: Yeah, um, I agree with that.
2: I mean, I don't want to go too far into, you know, into current events and all or to to uh, current canon. Because, you know, like, how do you fight? Because the ultimate question is, how do you fight an enemy that's bigger and stronger and willing to stoop to a different level that you won't? Um, and in a way, I I don't think that he succeeds here, not in this book. I mean, yeah, Anakin has his line later about how no one's going to the dark side on this mission. But they subject, like what they end up subjecting themselves to and how injured, I'm having to talk so carefully right now, how injured people get from just from the torture. And I mean, and I I think... We're safe to say, you know, like someone on this, sh- at least one person on the strike team is going to die. Like, and that's not an obvious spoiler, right? Like people no, die. I've
0: been calling it a suicide mission. Yeah.
2: So. Yeah. They okay. all
1: perfectly well know that this could end extremely poorly for everyone. Yeah.
2: And he sends 17 teenagers, maybe early 20s tops, but younger than all of us. On a mission that he knows not everyone's going to come back from. Yeah, I I don't think that classifies as not becoming at least a little bit brutal and evil yourself.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I mean, not just Luke, but like the Jedi themselves. I mean, OK, I'm just going to go my full rant now. Who the hell thought it was a good idea to not only send Anakin, 17 year old Anakin in charge of this mission, which granted, he's great and he's wonderful and he's a precious angel, But you send Anakin, and you send Jason, and you send Jaina. It's it's a rule in like real world military that you unless you get like special dispensation, you don't send siblings to the same in the same unit. Like you keep them separate in hopes that at least one person will survive. Are you seriously telling me that they couldn't manage to be like, all right, one of you kids has to make it. Like we cannot allow like all three solo children to die like this and related they send the heir to the throne of hapes like seriously <laughs> i know was
1: sometimes like she
2: was yeah, not gonna be left behind I really but i mean she's queen and uh, there's no she doesn't have any siblings like not that she wants to be queen but i mean Come on! And then you send Radar, who's already, like, emotionally traumatized because he lost his best friend and basically
1: his girlfriend, and I want justice for Lusa! <gasps> <Ugh. sighs> there is... This whole strike team is so dangerously poorly composed and sometimes... Like in this reread, it really did get to me a lot, realizing sending three siblings together on a mission. A is suicide a really mission. Poor choice. <laughs> and oh. it's such a poor choice. Let's see. Um, I bet that if Hapes knew what Ka was doing, the Queen Mother herself would descend upon the Jedi oh, and kick with the would for, like for take one. him captive and be like, Hell no! You're like, no, we need to have a serious talk about would, life, the she universe, would and everything. You take him to death right in here and now. feed into a rancor. Yeah. Uh, <sighs> yes. Yes. Like this is an
0: absolutely terrible, Somebody terrible, terrible needs idea. Somebody some sense in Luke at this point. No.
1: Yes. Yes. Please. If anybody has seen Luke's common sense, Honestly, we need it back. And here's Thank the thing: you, I can't quickly. even just be mad at Luke. Yeah.
2: Like. Leia is the only one who's against it. All of the
1: adults here, yeah, all of the adults here who are like, yeah, whatever, we can totally do this. And yes, I understand that Jedi kids seem to grow up very fast, and I continue to hold on to my headcanon that the age of majority in the GFFA is probably lower than it is around here. But even knowing all of that, you're not going to send 17 mostly teenagers on a suicide mission like this there are about a gajillion other people out there who would probably be able to do something with that who are not including three siblings the heir to the throne of apes and all sorts of other people who have no business doing this there's
0: the part toward the beginning where anakin um is kind of admiring all of them they've all put on their jumpsuits and he basically thinks they look very tactical and good and it's just like has a moment of like this is pretty cool, actually, it's horrible, but it's also kind of cool. And that I think is part of what drew me to this in the first place is why I like this book when I was young. This is like, this really is cool. But now it's also so sad and like ironic to see that last bit of he thinks like he can see it as a fantasy, he can see it as we're going to be heroes. And I think that impression is dispelled pretty quickly. And that Hurts my heart.
1: Oh, and it's not even just like the that, solo Like siblings. those last little flashes.
0: Yeah. Like it's all
1: of the hatchmates. he's
0: so young. But yes. She's what?
2: She's 15 yes. in this book. She's the youngest one. She's 15. It's also the yes. hatchmates. Like you send all three of them, which sibling E? I? I? If someone can still under- explain to me how the Barabels work, I, I lost They're track.
0: They're half siblings. They're all half siblings. They're s- all half siblings. Okay. Oh, well. Okay. Yeah. I lost
2: lost track. I wanted, yeah, which I I appreciated that I lost track, but that's not the point. The point is you send two different sets of siblings on this, and you send all of them.
1: (sighs) Yes. This is the worst idea because I have a note within my pile of notes, a list of who's on the Jedi Strike team. And I have a note specifically, first line three solo kids, three Barabels. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I, maybe I got old and grumpy or something and grew some common sense, but this is absolutely horrifying and heartbreaking, and especially almost, it almost feels so much like the heroic fantasies that a teenager might have, and then it just meets reality so brutally, and you just want to be like, no, you are tiny children. Come home. You have no business doing this. You shouldn't have to be in the middle of this anyways, and... Wow,
0: yeah, <laughs> especially with Ugh. that the the torture scene, right, so oh God Ula is wounded, and she is uh-huh. tortured in front of them for quite a while, and it's this grueling like the pain is terrible, but the emotion and the waiting is also terrible, and they have to choose who gets hurt, and it's all very very um. The pace I think the pace Is done well But it's done in a way That like Makes you feel Like you're in You know When the wind dies And the sails Have just Fluttered And you can't move anywhere You're just Stuck And this scene Really created that like Oppressive Horror Yeah And uh This is also The discovery Of the solos Being twins And that that's Significant Um I don't know if we really talked about that much earlier, but I I remembered this is the book where hmm. Naminor finds that out, and, oh yeah, there's that whole scene with Naminor. We should talk about that. Yeah. Um, How did he not he know? Out yes,
1: yes, I just thought of a couple of things along those lines. How along did Naminor not
0: know they were
2: twins that, before this? Or like that Luke and Leia were twins?
1: That's,
0: seriously. Yeah. Like- I guess Luke and Leia don't look alike, but yeah, I was wondering that myself. <laughs> yeah, I definitely
1: – I when I was reading it this time, I was thinking, whoa, wait a minute. They only just found out in this instance that Jaina and Jason are twins? Yeah,
2: do their names not give it away? Like,
1: why did they think that – why did they think that two kids from the same family at the same age, same birthday – what do you think they are? Hello. I guess maybe it's like, so
0: rare among these sunwolves that a it just didn't occur bit to them yeah. that the parents would like keep both twins or something. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's. I understand that culturally they probably just aren't used to running into twins at all. But uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah just the the level of world breaking revelation though that is. I don't know what Nominor has been doing all this time, but. <sighs> Are we going to talk about all of the fun between Naminor and Savangla? Yes, and yes. absolutely.
0: Um, this is where Savangla and, excuse me, yeah, Savangla like pits Naminor and Rajair against each other, and because they it's have a rivalry excellent. already. And then he's there, <laughs> literally playing the Star Wars version of chess going, I'm going to move this piece here and this piece here, and by the way you two have to work together and they're like, this is our get along shirt and they hate it. (laughs) I need that fan art. (laughs) Hey,
1: yes, yes, dear universe I wish I could draw (laughs) I really do. I absolutely, absolutely love how Vergere has approximately zero to give whatsoever, <laughs> like she's she's baiting savong la. she's she's saying all sorts of things to him that if she were a Yuzanbong, she long since would have been challenged to a duel and executed horrifically. She's constantly driving namanor up the wall, constantly annoying him and questioning him. And there's one point where he's where he's thinking if she were a Yuzanbong, I would have challenged her to duel just for that one thing and Vergère's just sitting there going and so and keeps on being an annoyance and clearly does not
0: care Vergere does a really great <laughs> job of not caring. She's like a cat. She she's ignoring you but she wants you to know that she's ignoring you. And I do This I do wonder like <laughs> This book shows Yes, I love her. <laughs> I do wonder what's going on in her head at this point. Like, is she scared? Is she nervous at all? Or is she kind of like, I've gone through everything. I've lived with this alien culture for years. I can't say anything that surprises me anymore. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I... Ask me again about that particular thing in the spoiler episode because I have a lot of. Are you writing all these down, that.
2: Rocky? But overall,
1: because <laughs> you said that like three yes, times in this episode. Yes, to some extent. <laughs> Crap. Thank you. Well, I'm gonna have to re-listen to this again and again for the spoiler episode. I'm but... sorry. Continue.
2: <laughs> I cut you off. My bad.
1: <laughs> yeah. No. No. Thank uh-huh. you. Thank you for reminding me.
0: But. I'm sorry, Crap I'm the worst. <laughs> Virgere playing
1: uh, I didn't mind bring my attention chess. span. Oh yeah, Virgere's just like, it's almost like I can see her sitting around sipping her metaphorical coffee and watching the fun around her, deliberately provoking it and knowing that she's basically going to get away with everything because the levels of plausible deniability she has, oh, why do you know so much about this game this chess game why do you know so much about this thing from the infidels culture and roger has every plausible deniability in the book i am actually very impressed about how she manages to never get herself in trouble i yeah. love
0: her i love that she has that like critical distance at the same time as you know her brain's going 100 miles mm-hmm. an hour
2: she's very good at playing her cards right because there's something to be said for how you know she's the the foreign oddity, for lack of a better term, mm-hmm. and so she can get away with saying things around Vong Law that another Yu Zen Vong couldn't, and she knows how to. Mm-hmm.
1: And she's
0: she exploits exactly. that exactly. She's like Onimi in that way. Yes. This reminds me yes. a little bit of something I was thinking when we were talking about Luke's question of whether you can whether you can defeat the enemy uh, if you become them, and I think one of the answers to that quandary in Star Wars specifically is embedded in it, which is that idea that the enemy that is ruthless is more powerful, and that their ruthlessness mm-hmm. essentially gives them power, which we see here with the the size of the Yuuzhan fleet and their their. Use of torture and their use of monstrosities And I think that The Answer to that question comes in whether The universe really bends toward Good or bends toward evil And the dark side Is easy is a thing that's always Like that is mentioned In Star Wars that the dark side is Things kind of bend toward it And it's seductive and easy But it's not it doesn't win And here we see I'm connecting this to Virgil, I swear. Um, here we see Luke basically saying, I think the dark side is stronger. When in Star Wars, we don't generally see that to be true. And it's so hard to find that hopeful stuff in this book because this book is so much about cruelty. But I mm-hmm. think that hope is still there in Star Wars, essentially. And that's why I want to look at a character like Verder who's kind of like embedded in with the enemy and I can go. And she, of course, has her own very complex like relationship to the force that I can see, well, it's going to be worth it for her. I feel like it's going to be mm-hmm. worth it because that's how Star Wars works. And she's going to be, there's a lot of people that are biding their time in this book, whether that's. The torturers or Vergere or the solo kids or the strike team or vicky shash and they are all like slowly moving toward an end but you know because it's star wars that that end is going to be okay and i think that is important to keep in mind when reading these and it's something that like Berger herself plays with but now i'm really we'll talk about that later
1: uh, kind of. T- there are a lot of Vergère related things that I'm going to have to bring up in the spoiler episode because it has to do with many, many other books. Yes, but, but we will not talk about the now place. <laughs> yeah, I loved the chess scene so darn much. That I feel like was such I could have taken that scene as I feel like for Savang Law that's also a really good character moment and tells you a lot about how he thinks. There's a There are a lot of reasons I love him as a character. He is such a good villain.
2: Right. Yeah. <laughs> I did want to grab uh, what mm-hmm. Megan was saying about how it's hard to find hope in this book. And I think that's made mm-hmm. worse by the fact that we only read the first half. Um, and granted, things are going to get a lot worse in the second half because I think we can safely say this is the midway point. This is the most painful book for a reason um another book aside but that's very specifically painful um but this is this is the low this ends up being like a low point for so many mm-hmm. people but it still has a note at the end of that helps bring a little bit of hope back but because where we ended was oh they made it to I'm going to sneeze if I try to say this without checking merker there we go biker merker why these vowels come on um i've always said Merker. Look, we'll go with yeah, that me too i just kind of fake it in my brain um but because of you know we we get there and they've made it you know they've made it through what should have been the quote-unquote easy part and they've already been tortured this badly so I think that it makes it even harder for us to remember that there is still hope in Star Wars and there is still hope in the galaxy.
1: Overall, I feel like this is truly one of the darkest books in the series and I don't remember it being this excuse me, this completely horrifying when I first read it or even the second time I read it and now it almost feels like you need to get through this before things can get better. And I'll be interested to see if I have that feeling again as we keep reading.
0: Yeah. I, I agree with all of that. I want to do a good transition here, but I'm not sure I can. So let's talk about Borsk Felia <laughs> And how he's the worst, but also is kind of heroic in this book. I had I had forgotten how assertive he is with Nominor, and how he basically plays an intimidation game when they invite Nominor into the Senate. So, um, what do you want to talk about with him?
1: I absolutely loved the Senate scene there, where Nominor... Oh, I know. I had a really good note on this, and probably posted a picture of it on Twitter about yeah. I was, it was like, the one with crying, like the the
2: throwing things, wow. and there was a death of Mary assassin.
1: Yes, yes, the start of chapter <laughs> yeah, ten. The rumor. Yes, at the start of chapter ten, where where Falia's- chilling out in the Senate as Nominor is about to come in. And I honestly couldn't tell if that was actually a Senate meeting or if that was some sort of riot being held in a Senate chamber. It was pretty impressive. (laughs) Just the amount of total and absolute chaos. Everyone's on fire and running around and, and screaming and failures. And they're like, cool, where's Nominor? Time for some verbal fencing. And it almost felt like they're both kind of enjoying testing each other, two masters of deception and double talk and <laughs> annoying everyone, finally butting heads. Priceless.
0: Somebody mentioned in the notes the double-sided nature of Savang Law calling her Vicky. That was me. <laughs> and I I really liked that oh, yeah. too. I'm glad mm. you wrote that down because I thought like it yes. you know, would come off as patronizing and she thinks it's an honor. And it was just a good like, mm-hmm. she was seeing what she wanted to see, and they had different cultural backgrounds, so they had different assumptions about a thing. Yeah,
2: well, Naminor is all she was
0: seeing. I yeah. also had another Naminor is just like, yep. <laughs>
2: Does she get that he's insulting her? No, okay, whatever. Humans, okay.
0: Yeah, and she was like, "Oh, we're friends. This means we're close. Yeah. Great.
2: No. Oh, Vicky, honey. Yeah. Oh."
1: Oh, poor Vicky. She tried. <laughs> yeah. She tried so hard. I absolutely loved that scene there where she's villoping with Sabong la <laughs> and, and they're discussing assassination. And, well, at least partially because she's not a Yu Bong, she's saying, I'm not going to murder Faelia. Yes, I brought up the idea, but I'm not a murderer here. Hello. And the level of, I think my note, there was like mutual blackmail Mm -hmm. in my handwritten notes about this. Yes, like, oh, if you turn me over to the New Republic, suddenly you no longer have a link to what's going on in the Senate. You're going to threaten that? I'm sure they would absolutely love to meet some of the Yuuzhan Vong technology you've given me.
2: Yeah, and then meanwhile, I like that her counter is... um (sighs) Well, it. you wanted me to be able to uh you know, to be the new um Oh god, I just lost the I lost my train of thought. Chief yeah, of the chief state? of state. I can't do that if you have me murder someone and I'm like, "Yes. Uh, okay. <laughs> Fine." <laughs> oh, Vicky. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, she was Vicky. Like, I'm not going to yes. murder someone personally. Five minutes later, I'm not going to murder someone personally because it would look bad. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it's that whole
1: scene made me I, I was just thinking she is so terrible. I desperately want to slap her for being a terrible person. She is yeah. a well done terrible person, though. I do love how well done yes. overall the villains are. They tend to be creepy, scary villains. It's so so artistically. <laughs> I see dark. what you did there. there.
0: There is there is the part I where she phrase. mentions that she's attracted to men in power, and I was like, "Is she attracted to Savang Is that what's happening here?" It's so blatantly oh. obvious that she is so I, I obvious. Like-
1: though the line there, ah, uh, that didn't horrify me anywhere near as much as mm-hmm. the line a little later on in the scene where well for a while she was rather taken with furry, furry little horse and at that moment I reached yeah. for the brain bleach. I don't
0: like <sighs> that this is her again. motivation necessarily I think it's unnecessary but I'm also kind no. of like okay sure that might be an interesting angle I'm generally here for villain ships but I don't think it's ever mentioned again
2: yeah
1: I don't think it's anywhere near her primary yeah, motivation I agree. at
0: all,
2: yeah, and also I wouldn't so, wanna you know yeah, i and
1: somehow, I think that any of my thoughts about villainships and that involve Bong are also going to go rapidly towards the alrighty, that's right i
0: I didn't. I had this in my notes, but then I was like, "I don't really know if we're going to talk about this." So, moving on, um, we should talk about we should talk <laughs> about Lando. Yes, uh, because Lando was a he develops yes. his Yusun Von Killer droids in this book. It's the most Lando the thing. <laughs> it is the most, and they all have his voice. It
1: is. <laughs> The YVH droids are awesome, and when I was when I was reading that, I actually thought we met those droids a little bit Me later too. on in the series. But oh, I love them! I love how they're built specifically to kind of look. No I jump actually have bomb. a lot
0: of trouble picturing them. Just to them. add, to the I level guess I the picture horrifying. them as having skull faces, but have some trouble. But I love that they have Lando's voice. They have like a artificially deepened version of Lando's voice. <laughs> Which is very funny.
1: Oh, he totally put in a bit of his own vanity in there for
2: that
0: one. Silky at one point. It's just the
2: most Lando thing to do, like not even the voice thing, but just making the droids, because a hallmark of the Bantam era was always Lando has a new business venture and he's gonna make money. And I'm like, Of course. Of course it would be the same here because he lost his asteroid planet or his asteroid, whatever he was doing out there. Mm -hmm. So of course he's gonna find a way.
1: That's what I'm saying. saying
2: like, so, of course, now he's one. out here and, like, <laughs> making killer droids, and he wanted the introduction. I'm like, Lando, this is so typically you, and please never change. Um, the-
1: yes. It was... Yeah, it was not not quite light-hearted, but in the big scheme of this book, it was a lot yeah, lighter than average. but then there's the other
2: thing, because he, Leia has him... Asks him to to deliver the kids to you know torture, and that yeah, that's, and the note I wrote down was uh, Lando delivering the kids is tactically smart, yes, but also emotionally brutal because you're ask, well, because you're asking this guy oh, who yeah. let's be real, even though the old kids, I don't think they call him Uncle Lando in this, he's totally their Uncle Lando, like he's watched these kids grow up, yep. he oh, knows yeah. them all, like. He knows he and everything, and yet he's being told to deliver them on a suicide mission. How can you ask that of your friend? Like, hey, go take my kids to probably die. It's fine. Don't worry about it.
0: The scene where he's talking to it's so, the Yusun Vong commander so is sad just like, and horrible. because you know he- he does. He, as much as he wants this to succeed, he also kind of doesn't. Like he's just got to be wanting to just tell them all to go away yeah. at that point.
2: Yeah.
1: It's you can feel almost how how much confusion and pain and tension there really is in him for all that. Wow. And it's this book just keeps on getting more and more heart wrenching. And we're only it's half fine. Through.
2: Everything's fine. <laughs>
1: yeah. <sighs> Yes, we're all fine here. The how are extended
0: you? solo clan has been through so much. Did uh, yeah. seriously. Do Han and Lando talk in this book? They're not ever uh, directly together. I are mean, they? well,
2: they're in the. They're both in the the meeting. True. Because Lando's like, "Hey, it's fine. Don't worry about it, Han." Like he te- he figures out how everyone's gonna vote, and he's like, "Your kids will be fine." And then Han throws that. Oh
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, how could I forget? Him predicting the vote was so good. It was I, I would like more of that too. More of them kind of dealing with the trauma of this. I think that would be good yeah. because they are good friends. Oh yeah, he does
2: have a scene before it where he's mm-hmm. not just them, but it's Han and Lando, they're there when with the droid thing. Um can we go back to the the fact that these are teenagers and what they've gone through? Like I, I want to beat this dead horse. I was mm-hmm. going, Ted, I'm going to beat this dead on. Because we went over the one note and we skipped We skipped over it and it was my fault because I just skipped about, that Megan wrote down about the young Jedi Knight kids grieving for Lusa. Yes. And uh. first of all, I want justice mm-hmm. for Lusa. Like Megan's going to make an Olima defense team shirt. I'm going to make a justice for Lusa shirt. It's going to be fine. We're all fine here. But for anyone who didn't read the YJK that's listening to this, she was as much of a part of their group as Raynar was. Like, they were kind of both sort of secondary members who came in in the mm-hmm. second arc and became sort of main people. And they just kill her off screen. Like, she doesn't even get the the dignity of an on-page death. Like, they just walk up and Raynar's in his stupidly bright colors and just crying. And it's not okay.
1: Seriously, it's, ugh, seeing seeing these kids grow up so fast because we all read YJK when we were the age of the characters or a little bit younger. And when we first read this, I think we were all a little bit younger yeah. than the Strike Team. As I think I was 15 I was when 14. I first read Star by Star. And, uh seeing how fast these kids are having to grow up and just how much this isn't the first person close to them that they've lost but it keeps reinforcing that anyone can die and the amount of galaxy shattering that's been going on it's yeah. so painful.
2: Actually, why don't we jump down to one of the questions we got from a listener? Um because Jeff asked us, well it's a bit of a multi-part thing. But he goes, this is Aliam Arar's first appearance. Do you remember your first impressions? Which I think we sort of covered. Um, but for that matter, this is the first time several mm-hmm. young Jedi are introduced or fleshed out. Who are your favorites? What do you think more generally of the series mix of new and established Jedi characters? Too many one-offs, too many legacy characters, none of character development. Just a bunch of questions for us. And I think we're going to try to do our best to answer them without spoilers. But we will go into... Spoilers in another episode further down the line. <laughs> so yeah, Rocky, you want to take that one first?
1: <laughs> Ooh, alrighty. So yes, we covered our first impressions of Alima. I will not get back on that soapbox today. Um so I always have identified a lot with Jaina, and she's always been kind of a personal favorite for me. And I've always loved Tahiri a lot, and I feel like it was somewhere, like within Young Jedi Knights, I really tended to be way more of a Jaina fan, but within the New Jedi Order, that was when Jason really started to resonate a lot with me. And it's I liked having a lot of the established Jedi characters being brought through this series. Yes, obviously there is a body count, but (laughs) not saying who, how many that we've not heard of yet. But it's. It was both reassuring and really sad to see, like, kind of the characters that I'd grown up with hitting this devastating galaxy destroying species and all of the damage it caused. It was the consistency was really nice and i'm also very glad this book included the dramatist personae yet again because otherwise i cannot keep track of that level of ensemble cast no matter what i do like it's so nice to see the same characters i'm used to in a way and it's also really heartbreaking
2: yeah, with the exception of one spoiler i knew before the first time i picked this book up i th- i was glad to see characters i knew and I had this sense of security about them, like I mean, I was glad to see I was always wanted to be like best friends with Jaina and Tennelcott when I was growing up, like they were always the coolest. I never really cared about Jason that much. He's fine, but he's not my preferred solo kid um but I think that when I saw a bunch of the newer characters, like the ones whose names I can't even remember, I think there's. A Rhodian, I don't know, uh Errol or whatever her name is. And I i saw a lot yeah. of these new names and my assumption was, okay, you're sending seventeen people on this mission. The ones we don't know are gonna be the ones who die, probably. And so I kind of assumed I assumed they yes, were canon. A lot of them were canon
1: list, Yeah. Yeah, I ended up just grabbing the, like, writing down a list of everyone because there were a lot of people, the new people who were just popping up on the mission, where I paused for a moment and said, oh, wait a minute, who are some of these people? Remind me again. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: I'm sure that gives me, like, memory flashbacks to I'm sure I had a list as well at some point and knew who everyone was. I was always most connected to Tahiri and Jaina as well Um, but I think Tahiri is especially distinct now for reasons that we've discussed before. I also really love Tisar Sabatine and Saba Sabatine and I think they were introduced you know, we talked about that before they are introduced well. Um So I like the mix of old and new characters. This book, I think it handles its very large cast very well. And it's hard for me to tell how much of that is I do have an emotional attachment to these characters or I'm naturally inclined to enjoy a character that's both an alien and a Jedi. That's just going to work for me. Um, But I don't know if that's all emotional impact. I think some of it is... In the writing is that it does Juggle this amount of characters pretty Smoothly and introduces them With like one or two traits You know they're not super deep but they have Distinct traits And allows you to get to know them And uh, I like that about it And Yeah I think the Barabells are my My favorites outside the Core group of the solos And Tahiri that we've seen before and of course, I like Alima for what she could have been more than what she yeah. is. On paper, I'm really
2: glad that Ganner got to come along on the mission. Mm-hmm. Like,
0: I almost yes. feel bad for Ganner because he do like he is older, and like he's the one that's like supposed to be the leader. Right? He's
2: he's the fake leader. He's the decoy.
0: Um, this one's yeah. the decoy. So he must be feeling. Yeah. <laughs> he must be feeling <laughs> helpless there too. I'm not so, sure though because they take him yeah. and they put him
2: elsewhere. Um, and uh, so he's not I mean I think he's attached like he I think he's is he part of the mind meld or no during the torture scene I
1: think he no knew? I don't think he is I think they note somewhere where that they can't really connect with yeah, him in the mind meld something I wanted. very well he's separated yeah, so, away so to, from to
2: me that always said that He was probably by volunteering to be the leader and to be the person that they were probably going to torture torture more than most, like I I think he just he took that responsibility upon himself. And I think that said a lot of good things about how far he's come since we first saw him in Corin Bashing Heads.
0: Yes, definitely. Yes. I meant to say more about the force meld and that was also I think in part of the notes that we skipped around a little bit because I I just love that concept of how they can give each other hope and see each other through one another's eyes with that mind meld and how it, excuse me, how it gives them so much strength Mm -hmm. and I just thought that was really cool. Yeah. As well as to a point makes it all the more horrific because they can also feel each other's pain and Fear and have to, everybody has to spread the load yeah. of that to keep everyone together.
2: And- I did appreciate the weight that Jason took upon himself by being the one who was running the mind meld. Like, he was the one, because you kept seeing where, like, or uh, and Jane is my, you know, Jason would feed someone a little bit of someone else's emotion here. It's, I felt like he was the, uh, he was the Bastila to pull in a Couture reference. Um, <laughs> And yet, did, did I already talk about how painful Jana having to choose between her brothers was? Because that no, that I hit know. me super yeah. hard. I and I like that it was that brutal. Was like brutal. that entire torture scene was completely and utterly brutal. And I forgot how bad it was, but I I don't I didn't like it. But I also liked that. They sort of flipped the script on its head and they made her choose between her brothers, like who was going to be hurt and not like lovers. You know what I mean? Because I feel like that's such the easy, that's such an easy thing for, for stories to do to a a female character is, all right, choose between this pretty boy or this other pretty boy or whether option. And this was just her emotional love for her siblings And that just, yeah. And Anakin, oh, baby. yeah. Anakin and Jason's fight. Oh. Oh.
1: Yes, yes. Anakin and Jason butting heads with each other like that. And, ow. And then Tenelka trying to clean that up and deal (laughs) with them. And And Tenelka's
0: like, uh, she like. You know that her and Jason were close before, but aren't necessarily now that that hit me. And
1: it feels, yeah. And it feels like they're almost starting to rekindle that just because they're in a pretty bad situation altogether. Oh, that torture scene was the first time I read it. I thought that's kind of graphic, whatever. The second time, that's pretty graphic, but what do you expect? And then this time it just hit me like a ton of bricks. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that is I definitely did not remember it being that bad, really. And the mind meld definitely does add almost an extra level of horror to it what with how they're all kind of sharing each other's emotions and feelings and then coming almost coming down from that scene. Anakin and Jason snap at each other, you can feel the heightened tension and the desperate need to clean it up because we can't really let this blow out of proportion.
2: It just hurts so badly. I just want these kids to be happy and they can't because it was a war and because Luke Skywalker thought it was okay to send 17 teenagers on a
0: suicide mission. That connects to Nancy's question, which was, why does Luke give that mission to teenagers? Which I think we have thoroughly answered with a resounding, we don't know why, indeed. It hurts. (sighs) Do we all have our star-by-star care packs? We have chocolate and happy books, maybe? No, (laughs) no.
1: my living lunchbox I ate really? my chocolate Man, we're all uh oh.
0: we're not doing too He's great my are we? Cat. i'm gonna cuddle
1: also i want one of those cognition thrones that like walks around for me and has like all of my electronics and brain sensors and electronics else, like all laid out thing? i want one of those that sounds cool
2: i don't think that's gonna happen
1: <laughs> oh crap <laughs> Am I about to get Maybe. myself sacrificed? Sorry, it was Possibly. Bound
0: to happen. <laughs>
1: <laughs> also, the shoulder villips. I just got totally distracted, but the shoulder villips. Yeah. <laughs> just the the image of you having like two villips on your shoulders, just chilling
0: out there and chatting at them. It's so dramatic or so ridiculous? Wow. I can't tell which. So, Maria, yes. do you, uh, why don't you neither. go through our calendars oh. because yours are a little more accurate than yeah. mine? Yeah. So, <laughs> I, at I- one point
2: I was actually writing down all of the names, but I think we've lost them at some point in past show notes. But uh, so we had some additions, and I don't remember if these were all, I think all the de- the Jedi desks were from Star by Star, but I don't remember where the Noghiri desks were. But we added two more Noghiri. Um so now we're at four Nogiris dead in the new Jedi Order um
0: Yeah where was that in star By star I think it was
2: There's a point where they get Attacked and both of them go down At the same time Um okay I was Reading very quickly on Sunday so I Don't remember when I'm sorry Um
0: It's okay our counts are Yes I have
2: their names somewhere (laughs) hold on Mm -hmm. Hold on I wrote down names Uh Adorak and Miwal.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're the ones while. who went
2: away.
1: Oh, yeah. Wait, did they actually die or did they just get, like, nuked by Voxen and are in back today? I read it as dead,
2: but I could be wrong.
1: I don't we'll think he survived. I don't think, he survived. I don't think survived Voxen. Yeah, uh. I don't think so either. It's not the
0: face melting. Acid generally, acid is a hard to It's survive. fine. It's taken in space. They're dead. <laughs> um, <laughs> and the Jedi death count has gone up. Yeah. Dramatically. So we started
2: at eight, um, uh, eight dead ow. Jedi before this. And then entirely in star by star, we have Numa who dies in the first chapter. Two unnamed Jedi are talked about dying. Uh, Elisa, which let me tell you, until I said that out loud, did not realize how impressive of a when we specify this name is. Um, Ew, yes, yes agreed. Uh, Lusa, <laughs> yeah. justice for my sweet centaur girl, is four. Um, no, five. Sorry, and then lyric as well makes six. Mm-hmm. No, five. I just can't count. Hold on, let me find my notes again. One. Why? No, it's six. Yeah, lyric is six. Sorry. Yeah. Counting is hard. I'm really tired.
0: There were. Oh, and, and new Yeah, no, it's so right. six dead. So we're up to um, 14
2: dead Jedi. And we've just given up on Kip's a jerk references. <laughs>
0: We, we pretty much have We yeah. just ran out of math And you would have had to kind of quantify them <laughs> Like what counts, you know So, but there was a conversation Confrontation between Luke and Kip This time So I think both of them yeah. get a point point. And honestly, at one point earlier on in the books
2: mm-hmm. I forgot we were keeping track of Kip's a jerk And I thought I was Borsk's an idiot So... <laughs>
1: uh yeah I also cannot properly count well enough to keep track of those (laughs) so I kept
2: forgetting to count Kip's a jerk and yeah so anyways pour one out for the six dead Jedi and the two dead Nakiri. oh my
0: gosh so before we wrap up today we're going to do something a little different Bria has iTunes reviews? yes so and I have not read these, so this is going to be an, an enjoyable new experience yeah, for so all of us. Yeah, so
2: in case you Possibly. guys don't know, uh, on iTunes, we are part of, uh, you can find our, our episodes both part of the main Tashi Station feed, the mega feed, and also we took over the Throncast feed to make. Uh, to make Brian's job easier. so if you look up Vongcast, you won't find us, but if you look up Throncast, you'll find specifically us along with the Throncast podcast that happened before. So anyways, now that we've got said the word cast too many times, um, there were a couple of reviews when I went poking around the other day. I'm not sure if the first one is actually for us, but it was from July 4th and so they say uh, Nvi says I love the show, five stars. Great commentary and a great reason to visit legends. So if that's us, thank you. If it's for Thronecast, thank you on their behalf. Uh, but the next two are definitely for us. So, um, Ad Sizzle says an incredible podcast on the new Jedi Order. These three hosts, these three wonderful hosts guide the discussion on characters and character, character motivations in a way that makes me envy their understanding. So super awesome to hear. Thank you. <laughs>
0: Ah. Oh, yeah. Thank and that was also five
2: stars for us, so thanks, ads Thank And then uh SW underscore pants gives us five stars as well, and their headline is Riveting, hooked me from the start. And the body says, if I can speak English properly, because reading is hard right now. Um although I reread the NJ over one year ago, I want uh, I wanted to know more insights on the series. The three ladies of Voncast have a solid understanding of a lot of it, of a lot of things and not only Star Wars. They provide Bantam versus Del Rey. Uh, they provide information Bantam versus Del Rey that I never picked up on before. There are some hilarious insights on writing in general, the characters, and the story overall. As such, I'm learning quite a bit, including what others think about the NJO, which is refreshing to me. One, the NJO is definitely a uniquely supreme subseries in the EU. Two, while I know a lot of Star Wars fans, and we've discussed the NJO, it hasn't been detailed like this, just brushing the surface. So this is new to me, an exciting audio endeavor.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Thank you, Star Wars Pants. My heart grew three
1: sizes. Thank you. If you leave
2: reviews, eventually I'll find them. And thank you. We we appreciate it. And if we get more of them, I will keep an eye on the podcast review site and we'll read them on the show. (laughs)
0: Yeah, we really do appreciate that, especially because, like, there there isn't much of a New Jedi Order fandom right now, so I like that they pointed out that question of, like, what do people think of it? You're not necessarily gonna know now, and I'm glad that we can, like, kind of keep that going. So, that's really cool. Thank you for reviewing. Yeah. All right. So I think that's a wrap for today. Um, this podcast has been brought to you in part by your support on Patreon. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe to the Tashi station radio mega feed for more episodes. Join us next time for the second half of star by star by Troy Denning, in which we will continue to cry. This podcast is distributed as part of the Tashi station network. You can read and tweet along with us by using the hashtag Voncast. Um, real quick where we can be found on social media i am at blog full of words on twitter i write for den of geek at starwars.com and star wars insider um rocky what uh, where can people find you
1: let's see i am lady Darth darthkaidus on twitter star wars world of warcraft cars life the universe random stuff And I have written for 1138 in the past, though I am presently retired. And I also have appeared on the Of Dice and Droids podcast. Cool. And Bria?
2: You can find me on Twitter and basically all social media at Chaos Bria. Um, I am also the managing editor here at Tashi Station, and I co-run White Hot Room, which is a geek fashion podcast. And if you like hearing about comics, you can head over to StarWars.com on a bi-weekly basis and read my deep dives into recent issues.
0: Great. Great. Thanks for listening, and watch out for the next episode of the Star by Starcast. Bye.